Whether you need to restock the fridge or just have a sudden, intense craving for cheese puffs, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. From groceries to household items, Kroger delivers right to your door. So don't let one major craving have you reaching for your car keys. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you sign up for BP Me Rewards, you can get five cents off every gallon of gas every time at BP or Amico stations. That means more savings and more whatever you'd like to use your savings on. So treat yourself. It's on us. Visit bp.com slash save to learn more. to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Not too much housekeeping today, quite an easy uh, introduction to the episode. Um, For those of you who are on the Facebook group, um, like I said in the last episode, a little bit confusing because I added the picture for this one up first and this is the Halloween episode compared to the one that was last week, which was the episode for 1066. Uh, like I said, the reason for that was I actually was working a week behind, um, or a week ahead, I say, um, and I thought Halloween, Halloween was last week, so I was like, oh yeah, we'll get the Halloween episode out on Halloween, turns out I was ahead of myself and I would have been putting the Halloween episode out a week before Halloween. That's why this is going out tonight on Friday the 30th of October, ready for the 31st. Now... I will do a little bit of a uh, an introduction to the show and what, what we're going to be covering. So this show, we will be covering the pagan traditions of Halloween, where Halloween, basically where it got the traditions from, how it was adapted by the church to basically what we know as modern-day Halloween, and some of the stories from Halloween, so some of the things that we're very very aware of but where do they come from so why do we carve pumpkins who is dracula these sort of questions that we may or may not know the answer to if you already know the answer then this will just be jogging your memory if you don't know the answer stay tuned and listen in so we will get started now halloween dates back to well before Jesus Christ. So originally um, it dates back to um, around the Celtic tribes. Now the Celtic tribes reigned from roughly 6th century BC um, in mainland Europe and they went out as far as um, obviously modern day England, Ireland which is where they were predominantly based for for most historians, when they think of the, the the Celtics, they they automatically think of of Ireland, and um, this was you know anything from sixth century BC, anything up to almost modern day Christianity. And when you look at 
um, Halloween, for example, you look at the tradition or the pagan festival of Samhain, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is spelt S-A-M-H-A-I-N, because the Gaelic language is brilliant. It's, yeah, they, they uh, spell really weird things. Um, but yeah, it's pronounced Samhain. And Samhain was basically the end of the year, almost. So what they used October the 31st as the end of the year. So it was to signify the end of summer, the start of winter. Um, this was where they would have had uh, sacrifices and met not... You know, there's no evidence of human sacrificing, but sacrificing animals and things like that. Um, they would have lit big bonfires, and there was been a lot of, um, basically, that it was a time where they were praying for a good winter. And when you're talking around, you know, BC, um, you're talking about quite a, a strange period in history where. They didn't have central heating. They didn't have very much to keep them warm. You know, they were dependent on the livestock that they they had. There was a lot of ways that they believed that by having a good Sarwen meant that they would have a good winter. And it was a festival. It was a brilliant party to signify the end of the year, the end of summer, and the start of, you know, the darkness now that was the traditional belief and it was also the the point where they would believe things like the realms between the dead and the living was at its at, at its thinnest so in other words there was that potential that they could talk to the dead or that the dead would be around for this one night and this is again where the tradition of you know the the halloween tradition with the death and and things like that and you can understand why because the winter is seen as as death you know you talk about obviously snow and christmas and things like that when you think of winter but but back back then when they thought about winter they thought about where they were going to get their next meal how long of daylight they actually had until it got dark um, when the temperature drops to below freezing, how are they going to stay warm? The crops that they would have, you know, harvested during the summer, they all die. All the flowers die in the winter. So you can understand where the link of death comes from when you're looking at an, an, an older type of Halloween style tradition. And the Celtics really did, you know, they really did believe this. And, and the pagan tradition you know this stems quite a long time you know christianity wasn't really around in europe for for a long time even though you know we're, we're under the impression of of jesus christ you know being around till zero and then anything after that is is ad christianity didn't hit europe for for quite a long time and britain and especially western europe was extremely pagan i mean even some of the links that you'll see between the pagan traditions and, and current traditions um are so obvious um you know the bonfires 
are very obvious it's, it's you know a similar thing we we have bonfires in england um, i'm not aware of a tradition in america where where they have bonfires for halloween but um that i don't know if they do so if, if you do then someone let me know um but i know bonfires are are a bit of a tradition around halloween we used to do them quite regularly in this country and then in 1605 there was a man named guy fawkes in uh, in britain who decided to attempt to blow up the house of lords and kill the king and that plot was foiled and ever since then in england we have done bonfires on november the 5th and we normally put a little guy on the top we call him a guy because it's guy fawkes put a little guy on the top and burn him to death so um and we still do that now you know this is something we we have done as a quite a big tradition but we can definitely see now just just a few of the little links i mean one of the things that i find predominantly in shops around this time of year are bats um bats seem to be very popular around halloween um especially things like vampire bats and obviously the link between that and and vampires but again this goes back to the pagan traditions where bats were generally well not generally they are night creatures they come out at night now you would not have seen a bat in pagan times so you know bc you wouldn't have seen bats because there was no lighting you know bats are attracted to the light but they're attracted to the light at night time and the only time there was light at night time was when they were lighting these bonfires so the tradition of bats being around at halloween again is linked to this pagan tradition of having bonfires at halloween so another one of the main traditions that the celtics had was like i said they believed at this particular time on october the 31st the realms between the living and the dead was at its thinnest and this is why one other reason why they lit bonfires and things like that and they stayed in big groups and they were they wouldn't have walked off on their own they wouldn't have did they basically they engaged in a party-like activity until the morning of november the first and this is where again they would have done this to to basically to ward off any evil spirits that may cross from the the dead over to the living and things like that so it's uh it is debated but there is accounts of um celtics in this time actually wearing costumes and things like that to basically to mask themselves from evil spirits so if a spirit did manage to get in that they wouldn't be recognized because they didn't look like themselves they were wearing a mask or, or different different type of clothing and things like that so again you can see a slight tradition here a slight comparison to modern day costumes um, for those of you who are on facebook i will be posting a picture of my halloween costume this year which uh, i will be wearing pretty much all day tomorrow even when i go into shops because i don't care we're supposed to wear masks anyway aren't we so i will go in in my clown mask i'm not bothered um but yeah so that is where you can see some of the traditions um coming from that so many of you might be thinking well you're talking about a tradition dating back over 2000 years but it's not what we know as halloween and you would be absolutely correct 
there was another very uh, big, let's say, um, empire at this time, and that is the Roman Empire, which I'm sure most of you have heard of. Now, the the Roman Empire was traditionally um, believed their own, they had their own religion, their own beliefs, and, and would have celebrated similar um, things around this time. They would have celebrated the, the end of the the harvest and the start of the the winter and things like that when christianity hit the roman empire it did spread throughout europe pretty quick because the romans had their hands in pretty much every pie in europe so with that it did spread now you would think that the christianity or christian way of life would have crashed into Europe and and ripped out anything that was pagan. Well, in some aspects, yes, that is exactly what Christians did. They came over and they did. They ripped out everything that was non-Christian in that country. However, it was more sensible to try and appease the people who already lived there and to try and come up with a way of a bargain between the two and this is what they did and in many aspects they would say things like well you can keep this tradition this pagan holiday but instead of you know instead of calling it this why don't you call it this instead of doing this why don't you do this instead and they came up with you know like a a bargain to appease them and to keep them happy and to slowly over time wean out the pagans and bring everybody over to Christianity and and it worked you know from many scholars believe that uh, Jesus was born uh, around June or July but yet we celebrate his birthday on the 25th of December well yeah we celebrate it on the 25th of December because it coincides with pagan festivals on the 25th of December and that is why we celebrate it on that day because Christianity was very clever and that what they did was instead of getting rid of all the pagan traditions and basically having a revolt on their hands in pretty much every country across Europe they adapted them to fit the Christian religion and they adapted Christianity to fit with the pagans so that everybody was happy now a lot of people um and i do have people who listen to this some friends who are quite religious um don't buy this there no christianity is its own right if that is you that is absolutely fine but i just say do your research because any real christian will know that religions existed before christianity and they had traditions and if you're trying to change someone's tradition it's a lot easier to say well you know why don't you try it this way rather than saying your idea is stupid mine's better um they were quite sensible and this is how christianity spread so widely across europe so christianity basically adapted a lot and they changed a lot so just for an example the seventh century the a pagan or roman festival of lemuria was changed by the the christians to all saints day this basically meant that people had to worship the saints and this this was 
to be done on May the 13th. Now, in the 9th century, the Pope actually moved that to November the 1st. All Saints Day was also known as All Hallows Day. It then got changed to basically Halloween. But the way that worked was the day before All Saints Day was All Saints Eve or All Hallows Eve. The Scottish and the Celtic or the Scottish and Irish in in this country uh, then changed that to All Hallows Eve rather than All Hallows Evening. Went to All Hallows Eve and then you can see where it you know, it, it doesn't there's not a big step from All Hallows Eve to Hallows Evening, Halloween. You can see where it's all coming t- together. And this was around the ninth century. So, you know, there's been a a drastic change when you're talking before Christ to you know, to now the ninth century where you've actually got you've got the name All Hallows Eve. So Christianity now has its own version of Halloween and they did take certain pagan traditions to to with them Ooh, I can't really talk tonight now one of the, the things they did was a thing called the dance macabre which is a dance with the death and this was on Halloween on October the 31st and they would dress up as their favourite saints and they would dance with what they believed were the dead you know they'd, they'd probably dance with either people dressed up as as ghosts or or skeletons or or anything like that but they believed that some of these people were people who had returned from the dead to dance with them and it sounds so strange saying something like this because it does not make any sense that this is something people would do but this is what they did and this is they had this dance with the death and again you can see slight traditions here that are starting to to resemble what we know as, as Halloween today with the dancing maybe not so much dancing with dead people but at least the belief that the death the dead have come back and especially when you're looking at dressing up now I know they're talking about dressing up as saints but you know you can see the traditions or the the aspects of modern Halloween in these sort of medieval times. Along with this tradition came the tradition known as souling. And this was where children would go around door to door and ask people for treats, which were known as soul cakes. Now, what they would do, this was around the 13th, 14th century, this, this happened. And they would knock on your door and they would basically they would offer a prayer for a cake now the prayer would be for somebody who is stuck in purgatory for those of you who don't know what purgatory is it is essentially if you die and you don't get into heaven and you don't get into hell and your soul wanders in eternity doing nothing Um, some people say that purgatory is worse than hell um so what they're offering is a prayer that that soul can be released into heaven and people believe that the more prayers they got the more chance that their loved one would get out of purgatory and and would be 
allowed into heaven. A lot of people also believed that during this time, if they left out these soul cakes, if anybody came from hell, anybody dressed as the devil or dressed as a demon, would be able to take these cakes and leave the house alone. So this is where a lot of children, children in this time, would dress up as devils and monsters and and ghouls to make the well to get basically to get free cake that was that was the gist of it um but obviously that you know the 14th century they they did genuinely believe that um they were helping um the other tradition that uh, we talk about or we we do definitely know is the tradition of the pumpkin and this dates back again to around the 14th century where children around this time when they are out souling would have carried a lantern now lanterns were expensive they were very hard to come by however to get a turnip which is what we're talking about here and hollow it out cut a face in the turnip so the light can shine through and put a candle in it this is how it started now Linking that to modern day pumpkins, the reason pumpkins were not carved at the start is because pumpkins do not grow in this country. They do not grow in Western Europe very well. They do grow in America. So when the explorers came over to America and found this really strange orange fruit, it was brought back to Europe and now this is where the pumpkin carving came. They found that pumpkins were a lot easier to cut holes in than turnips which is very true i have tried to carve a turnip it's really not very easy carving a pumpkin is very easy so that's why the tradition of pumpkin carving came around so now we know a little bit about the english tradition of halloween i say the english i mean the western european traditions of halloween move from from the celts to the christians And this, to me, is where Halloween gets really, really interesting. This is when we're talking around the 17th century, when we started to colonise America. Because, as far as I'm concerned, Halloween is American. Um, I absolutely love Halloween. And there are not many people in this country that do Halloween to the extent that what I do. Now, my... Halloween traditions are probably very similar to that you would see in America, but not very common in this country. And this is why I find Halloween so amazing, because I absolutely love it. The one group of people that really brought their traditions over to America are the Irish. So one of the most famous stories that the Irish brought over was to do with pumpkin carving or turnip carving at this time and that is the reason as to why they put faces into these carvings and what they did the reason they did it was for two reasons really one of the reasons was they believed that the face represented somebody who was trapped in purgatory and the other one was to scare off a man named jack now the story of jack is very interesting jack was a drunk who lived in ireland 
Now, Jack was a very crafty man and a very clever man, but he was not a nice man. Now, the story goes that the devil turned up to Jack to take him to hell. And Jack said to the devil, Can I have one last drink before I die? And the devil said, Yes, you can have one last drink. And they went to a pub. And Jack had a few drinks. And when it was time to pay the barman, Jack said to the devil, I haven't got any money. Can I, well, can you, sorry, can you turn yourself into a silver coin so I can pay the bartender? And the devil said, Yes, I can do that. The devil turned himself into a silver coin. And Jack put the coin in his pocket, right next to a crucifix, so the devil could not escape. He then made the devil promise that he could have one more year left on earth before he came for him again. And the devil agreed and Jack let him out. So a year passed and the devil returned for Jack. Jack said this time I have one request before I die. It is a very simple request. I would just like to have an apple before I die. And the devil didn't learn his lesson and he said yes. That's fine, you can have an apple. So he went to an apple tree. And as they got to the apple tree, Jack placed crucifixes around the apple tree. So the devil could not escape. And the devil was furious. And he said, you need to let me out. Jack turned around and said, I will let you out if you promise that you will never take me to hell. You will never, ever let me into hell. The devil reluctantly agreed, and they parted ways. When Jack actually died, he got to the gates of heaven, and God turned him away. He said, no, you are not, you're not coming in. You know, you're you're a bad man, you've made deals with the devil, you're not coming in. So he went to hell, and he got to the gates of hell, And Satan turned around and said, No, I made a bargain with you that you're not coming in. So you're not coming in. And Jack was forced to wander in purgatory with nothing but a lantern to guide him. And this is where you get Jack of the Lantern or Jack-o'-lantern, which is what we know as pumpkins today. So this is where the story of the Jack-o'-lantern comes from. Another probably famous tradition that the Irish brought over is one called guising, which is basically an ad- an adaptation of the 14th century souling, where children would go up wearing masks. They would go out and they would ask for money or cake or food or something like that. And this is where trick-or-treating really started, or what, the, what we know as trick-or-treating, at least the the more modern concept of it started with the Irish traditions. Now, in England, we had a a thing on the 4th of November, around the early 20th century, which was called Mischief Night, which was basically a night where people could go out and cause problems for other people. Almost like a purge, but for children. And they... uh, they, what they would say when they went out 
you know, trick-or-treating, they would say, trick-or-treat, and if they didn't get anything, they used Mischief Night to get these people back. So they would go out on the 31st, if they didn't get anything off them, they would wait a few days and then go and, you know, smash their light bulbs or do stuff to their house or things like that. So, and uh, this is where the tradition of the trick comes in. Um, obviously, modern days, I mean, I think the worst I ever used to do was throw a roll of toilet paper over someone's house. And to be honest, I that really doesn't happen very often in this country um is i think most people nowadays know when the 31st comes um we we have a because it's not as common in this country yet we almost have a an unwritten rule of if someone's got a pumpkin outside or a little bit of decorations then you can knock on their door if they don't have anything like that you don't knock on their door you just you just leave them be um I don't know if the traditions are the same in America, but like I said, that's that's sort of like the unwritten rule in this country that that we do. So, um, the mischief or the tricks have sort of almost died out in this country because the people who you knock on the doors are the ones you know are going to open it. Halloween took a bit of a dampener around the nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, as I'm sure you can imagine, with the Second World War. After the war the end of the 1940s start of the 1950s halloween really hit its stride this became a night for people to have fun a night for people to forget who they are for a night get to dress up get to go out get to have a few drinks with friends have a little bit of a party and the more common traditions of what we see as halloween really kicked in in around the 1950s so we can see how Halloween has changed over the centuries to what we know today. We're going to focus on a little bit now of a little bit of the weird stuff with Halloween. So the stories, the monsters, the ghouls, the haunted houses. The haunted house, I think, is probably one of the best places to start. The, ha- the haunted houses typically are Victorian houses... And this is mainly due to the fact that uh, in the Victorian era, this is where Gothic literature really kicked off. And some of the most famous authors of all time, authors like Edgar Allan Poe, Mary Shelley, Robert Louis Stevenson, they all lived in this, this time frame. So these are some of the most famous horror authors, really, of ever. You know, anyone who doesn't know of Edgar Allan Poe is, you know... It, they're obviously not into their literature Um, you know he's one of the most famous authors ever and he was you know a horror writer but a classic horror writer and this is you know where the the traditions of that Victorian haunted house the Victorian ghost that walks the halls all comes from, from that era and it's something that we still can see today you know we still see a victorian house on the side of the road and go oh that house must be haunted you know i still do it and and i'm a delivery driver and i go to some people's houses and i'm like oh that house is definitely haunted that there's definitely something in that house and it's you just have that feeling you know that you don't go to the house at the end of the street it's that that type of a feeling with certain houses so we'll look at just one example 
which is written by a man named Bram Stoker. And this is a very old book, and it's something that we probably know about. But it's something that is deep-rooted in history, and this is why I want to cover it. That is the story of Dracula. Now, you might be thinking, Dan, your podcast is supposed to be factual. Why are you talking about a, a story that you know clearly can't be true? Dracula, you're talking about a man who was around in the Victorian ages. You know, this is where the story comes from. The story comes uh, from Bram Stoker. Says that you know he's a of a man who turns into a vampire, feasts off human blood, and uh, the only man who can stop him is Doctor Van Helsing from. London and you know Dracula moves to London and you know it's a great story but it is deep rooted in history the story of Dracula comes from Transylvanian history now there was a man which you probably have heard of called Vlad and Vlad his father king's father I'm not sure if he was king actually anyway Vlad his father was known as Dragul. Dragul translates to dragon. It then got changed to devil, but it translates as either devil or dragon. And the story of Vlad became quite famous. And he was known as Vlad the Impaler. Vlad the Impaler, which you probably have heard of from Transylvanian history. Vlad the Impaler, he got the name Dragul from his father who had the name and you can see the link between Dragul and Dracula where that comes from and Vlad the Impaler was I, one of my favourite men in history um, the stories of Vlad I always growing up heard of, heard of Vlad the Impaler and I always used to think well He's called the Impaler because when he kills his enemies, he must put their heads on spikes around the city or around his castle or whatever. That's what I believed. Turns out that it's a little bit more gruesome than that. So for those of you who don't like gruesome stories, you might not want to listen to the next minute or so. But Vlad the Impaler used to kill his enemies by getting a very long, sharp spike and sticking it up their bottom and put weights on their feet that would slowly pull them down the spike over a period of time until the spike has gone through their body and up through their head from their anus quite a violent and brutal way to die and certainly not fun but yeah that's how he got his name, Vlad the Impaler, because that's what he used to do to his enemies. But the story of Dracula, although may not contain that sort of side to it, I don't ever remember hearing that about Dracula, but the story of Dracula has come from a historical person. It's deep-rooted in ancient history, and a lot of stories of these days were deep-rooted in history because... These Victorians, although they were great writers, they didn't make stuff up. A lot of a lot of their stories had to have some form of inspiration, and this is just one example of where 
the inspiration for what I would class modern day Halloween because of, you know, for me, you can see how Halloween, where it's come from, where it's changed, certain aspects of it, you can see from our history to what we do today. But to me, Halloween is just a bit of fun. It's a day to go out, be someone different for a day. You know, hide your true identity. Go and get some free sweets, especially when you're a kid. And for me personally, I like to scare people. I like to dress up and hide with my props that are in my garden. Because I have mannequins set up with costumes on. And stand with the mannequins and wait for... I won't do it to little children, but wait for the, you know, the teenagers that come round with their their scream mask on and their fake fake knife and scare them I love it and this is to me what Halloween is about it's changed over the centuries it's changed over the last 50 years even to more of a celebration I think it's it's taken away from you know from the history of it the history has changed it and I would say for the better you know you you can go back even as far as things like the Salem witch trials um, and where witches witches are essential to Halloween my kids love dressing up as witches and this all comes from you know again from history there was no real proof there's never been any proof of um, real witches um, especially in this you know this day and age there are people I know there are some who practice witchcraft now as far as actual magic goes whether it works or not is I say subject to personal opinion Um, but you know it is definitely something that people look at now and and again would people look at witches would people dress up as witches if it wasn't for something like like Salem because you know this is something that has again it's changed people's perspective on things it's made people realize certain things in history that need to be changed and this is something I've always gone back to and I've always said it throughout my podcast of anything when you look at history you can only learn from it you cannot change it you can't change it you can't hate it because it's a different time you can't you can't do anything all you can do is learn from history people learn from mistakes it's the same with children you know and this is why you get people trying to change things change our history get rid of our statues talk pull this down pull that down get rid of this get rid of that well no learn from it my children learn how to ride a bike and i'm going to use that as an example my children learn how to ride a bike well if they can't ride a bike if they fall over, does that mean you change completely? Oh, no, don't worry about it. You don't need to learn to ride a bike. We'll change. We'll put you on a three-wheeler. We'll put you on this. We'll put you on that. No, you learn. You've made a mistake. You've fallen off. You get back on. You don't make that same mistake again. And that's the same with history. We need to look at history and go, there's been mistakes. We don't need to do that again. The Salem Witch Trials is a prime example of that. We made a mistake in history that should never have happened and I doubt that's ever going to happen again 
I hope, sincerely hope it doesn't. But this is what I'm saying with with history. You uh, you learn from it, and Halloween is a great thing for everybody who enjoys it. And I hope everyone has learned something from this, learned a little bit about Halloween. Maybe maybe you knew most of it anyway. Maybe you, you've only learned about the Jack O' Lantern story. Maybe you've only learned about the real history of Dracula. Maybe you didn't know what Sarwin was or the Celts or anything. You know, maybe you just knew it all and you just enjoy listening to me talk for an hour or 45 minutes. And if that's the case, good. I'm glad you enjoy listening to me talk for 45 minutes because I enjoy talking to you for 45 minutes. So that's, we're on the same page there. I do want to say, um, I don't know if anyone saw it, but there was a little message on the Facebook group left by a wonderful lady who has offered to send me a gift. Now, I don't know if she is aware, but it does coincide with my birthday. I am actually turning 30 in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to cry when I turn 30 because I'm no longer young anymore, as far as I believe. Um, but yeah, I really, really appreciate that. So thank you so much. You know, um, I haven't received it yet. When When I do receive it, um, I'll be sure to give you a little shout out and uh, and mention it. So I really do appreciate that. And, you know, I appreciate anything, you guys, you know, any messages, any words of inspiration, anything like that. I really appreciate it. What I really appreciate are five-star reviews. So get yourselves on there. Get a five-star review across. If you don't want to, you know, don't want to do that or you can't do that, Leave me a message. You know, I love reading messages from you guys. It makes my day when I open my my Facebook or or um, go on my group and I can see you guys have left me a, a lovely message saying how much you're enjoying what I'm saying and things like that. I really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, thank you. And if you really want to support me, get yourselves onto Patreon. We use Patreon every month. Um, I've got a few members on there. I think seven or eight of you guys and you know hopefully you guys are really enjoying it but none of my patreon members have left um which is a good sign for a patreon page normally you'll get someone who'll sign up for a month and then leave um so that's obviously a good sign some of you guys are really enjoying the patreon side of it and um, there are i believe seven or eight episodes on there that you will not get on this feed so if you do want to listen to those, get yourselves over to Patreon. Like I said, I think it's $5 a month. So the price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks for a whole month. Um, and it does, it, the support uh, goes a long way for, for me. Um, it goes towards new equipment, um, new microphones, which will be coming in the next couple of weeks. So you should notice a slightly better sound quality in the next couple of weeks um, and things like that. So it really does help. Um, and it makes me feel really appreciated when you guys do something like that so if you do you know if you do want to help me in that way get yourselves over there sign up to patreon it's just you type in this week in history patreon and it'll bring it up for you um like i said you know i hope you guys are enjoying it have a spooky halloween and uh we shall see you next week there will be another picture up next week and I did mention it in this episode, what we're doing. Now, for those of you who were paying attention, you will know 
that with it being the 5th of November next week, I'm pretty sure we can guess who it might be. I believe it's something you don't know very much about in America, and I am shocked to hear it. And yeah, we'll put it on the Facebook group, and you guys have a stab in the dark. So if you do know, guess it. I'm pretty sure any English listening will go, yeah, we know that. Because we're brought up with this story. You know, we all know this story. And yeah, turns out that around the rest of the world, you guys don't know. So yeah, enjoy it. Hopefully it'll be something uh, something a bit different for you next week. But get yourselves onto Facebook. This Week in History. Get yourselves onto the Facebook group. I will accept you. Um, I've only ever, well, no, I've never not accepted anyone, but I have had to boot people who put spam on there. Um, so if you do spam my page, I will be booting you, and you'll probably get a crude message as well. So don't do that. Um, but yeah, get yourselves on the Facebook group. Get on there. Have a bit of a laugh with us. Send me a message. Let me know what you're thinking of the podcast. If you want to send me uh, anything on on Patreon, get yourselves over there. If you do want to do like uh, like this this other lady has done, I won't mention her name. I'm sure you can see it on the Facebook group. Um, but if you do want to do what she's done and send me anything through the post, let me know. I can send you my address. I'm quite happy to do that. I've got nothing to uh, nothing to be worried about. Hopefully, no one send me anthrax or a bomb through the post. Jesus Christ, please don't do anything like that. Um, but yeah, let me know and uh, we'll get we'll get get it sorted. And I'll give you a shout out when you do. So. Yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Remember, we all have history. Make yours great. Bye-bye. When you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com slash boost. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.